0: I speak to you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. This morning I want to speak to you on the theme of forgetfulness. I'm not really going to delve into doubt, which is in the latter half of our reading, but what comes to my mind is the theme of forgetfulness. Um, It occurs to me that a little over a week ago, we, most of us here, were steeped in the experience of Holy Week, culminating in the celebration of Easter. And here we are now in the wake of Easter Sunday, uh, continuing to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord. And it seems clear to me that you cannot come to this place of worship during that week of Holy Week and find yourself on Easter Sunday without being strongly impressed upon with some of the most central, basic, fundamental truths of our faith, what we believe. And just to be clear, that we believe that God became incarnate lived amongst us as a man, endured the suffering on a cross, the passion of Christ, died, was buried, and rose again, and that today, right now, the tomb is empty. He is risen indeed. It also seems clear to me that even within a week's time from coming off that high of that celebration of Easter here at the Advent, that we are already faced with temptations and pressures in our daily lives, whatever it is we're doing. The minute we leave those doors, we are tempted to grow neglectful forgetful of this central truth Jesus is alive when you brush your teeth in the morning in the evening when you lay your head on the pillow when you transact in business balance your checkbook when you go out to lunch at all times in all places the reality that we profess is that he is risen and he is seated at the right hand of the father now, And that that has implications on us now, not just then, and not next year, but today. Every second of every day, we live in the light of an empty tomb. But we are not immune to growing forgetful and for failing to live in that light. I picked up on one note here in our reading that even on the very first day when Jesus appeared to his disciples, when they were locked behind doors in fear of the authorities, that the same was going to happen to them, Jesus appeared to them and wiped away all shadow of doubt, brought to fulfillment everything he had said, that he is in fact alive, and they saw him. And even within a week's time, eight days to be exact, once Thomas was in their midst, they were still behind closed doors and not fully cognizant or aware of what this means. They had already, there's a hint of forgetfulness. He's risen, and he comes again, and he says, look, here I am. Now at some point, this reality pressed in on them so strongly that they were willing to unlock those doors and go out into the world and do what he sent them to do, regardless of safety for their own lives. And as we know, all but one indeed did give their lives on mission for Christ. But we are never immune from being forgetful. And then understanding, what does this mean for me today? But forgetfulness doesn't just happen all of a sudden. How does it happen? I think there are some clues here in our gospel reading that I want to draw attention to. In the first place, when Jesus appeared to his disciples on that first day of the resurrection, he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. It is easy to forget or to neglect the fact that as a Christ follower, you are a person who has been sent. Yes, you've been called, but you've been called in order to be sent. And if you forget that simple fact that you've been sent by Jesus himself to go out into the world and to proclaim these things, that the tomb is empty, to sum it up, that he is risen, you forget your purpose and you inevitably can't make sense of it. You fall by the wayside. We have to remember that we are a people who have been sent for a purpose, with a message. In the second place, when he sends his disciples, it's easy to forget that he sends them with the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. How easy is it to forget this, to think that in your day-to-day life, when you're facing whatever it is you're facing, trials, challenges, ordinary, the ordinariness of life, all of it, that God is with you. To be more exact, that the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Now, I'll make note here that anytime I read in Holy Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, anytime you read the line, and God was with him or her, make note, because you are being told that that person is directly under the divine inspiration, direction, and guidance of God himself. And typically, what that means is that whatever that person is doing will most likely be met with success in ways that's hard to explain. It doesn't always play out the way that they think it should or the way we think it should, and it doesn't mean that they are preserved from trial and hardship. It may be that they are called into a very difficult situation, but if God is with them, One of the takeaways you can be assured of is that they have been given what they need to endure through that situation. And it makes all the difference. God's presence with us is not an optional thing in our life of faith. It's not just a little extra boost on your way. It is the factor that makes all the difference. God's presence with you will be the difference between you going this way or that way. And it will be the difference that makes all the difference in the world where you end up. In all things, in large matters and small, from beginning to end, when God is with you, you are blessed. And we should make note here that God is not just with you, But when Jesus breathes and gives the Spirit to his disciples, and when the Spirit is given to all of the disciples of Christ, he is in you. He is in them. We are told that God indwells us. He's not just here as a sidecar mate. He is truly in you, inhabiting, indwelling. As the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? God in you. You're not God, but he's in there. And that's no small thing. And it is so easy to grow forgetful of this and to think, me, myself, and I, out there. No, God is with you and in you. And lastly, we have been sent with the presence of God with a, for a message to proclaim. As I alluded to earlier, that message centers on Jesus. We are to go out and to proclaim these things in thought, word, and deed. And that can take many different forms. And that's for each of us to figure out what that looks like that he is risen, the tomb is empty. But some of the content of that message is alluded to here in our passage, that we are to be a people who are about the forgiveness of sin. This is a three-letter word, a small word with a great big I in the middle of it, that has not just succumbed to forgetfulness, but many people, even in the church, have deliberately tried to neglect this word and diminish it. And I will tell you that the smaller this word is, the less of a factor it is, the less of your sense of need for Him. The smaller our understanding of sin and the less of our need, the more fine I become. I'm fine and you're fine and we're all doing just fine. If that's so, if I'm fine and you're fine, as I've said before, then what's he doing on that cross? We're not fine. The only way to make sense of these things is to see and understand the depth of our need. Remission of sin, forgiveness, this is an integral part to the message that we proclaim. Forgiveness of sins. We are not to be a people going out trying to save the world. We're not to try and fix all the problems of the world. There is one Lord and Savior. His name is Jesus, and I'm not him. None of us are. But we are to be a people sent with a message that points to the Savior, so that all those who are infected with sin can come to him. So let us not grow weary, let us not grow forgetful of these things, but seek to be mindful that we are a people sent with the presence of God in us with a message of forgiveness and complete restoration. Amen.